Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. Hello, you are listening to Just Life from our London studio with me, Anna Fleischer. And today I am joined by Duncan McNair, who I bumped into at Farm Street. Um, Duncan McNair is a commercial and corporate litigation lawyer. He's also an author and he's a charity campaigner. And his current um, campaign is about saving the Asian elephants. So campaigning for animal welfare in um, the tourism industry. It's uh, wonderful to have you with us here in the studio, Duncan. Um, so do you want to uh, start by saying a bit about um, what, why are you campaigning for this? Introduce the listeners to this, okay, this topic. Certainly. Well, I'm, uh, uh, as Anna's just said, a, a lawyer of, of some decades practice in, in London. Um, I uh, have always been interested in, in animal welfare and uh, the welfare of our fellow creatures on Earth all part of God's creation. I just finished uh, 10 years ago a big project uh, uh, commissioned by the RSPCA on animal welfare, uh, farmed animal welfare standards, and I started being told about the horrors for Asian elephants in tourism, in captivity across Southeast Asia. I knew that they were a highly endangered species. Their numbers have absolutely collapsed. And I heard of the most awful horrors, the brutality to baby and adult elephants across uh, that part of the world. And I heard so much that I thought, this can't be true, I want to go and investigate. So I organised quite carefully um, to a trip around India. Uh, and uh, indeed, I managed to contact people who really would know. Um, and I did the trip. <clears throat> and indeed, I was absolutely horrified at what I saw. Um, and what did I see? Uh, I saw the brutal... Uh, a ruthless commercialization, the commercial uh, commoditization of elephants in tourism. Um, the, uh, as I've now come to learn, the, uh, the tragic life story of virtually any elephant in captivity uh, is to be brutally um, poached or snatched from the wild. Um, the mother who tries to protect her baby is often killed nearly always killed in front of her, uh, as are six or seven members of the herd who likewise try to protect their young. The baby is taken away, uh, is isolated, uh, which is disastrous uh, for young baby elephants, uh, is uh, placed in, uh, is, is, is kept awake all the time with loud noise, is uh, dehydrated and, and um, starved, and then is placed in a so-called crushing cage or crawl, where it is beaten, stabbed, ripped, um, knocked senseless, sometimes eyes taken out with hooks, and so on. And why is that? Uh, and it's a practice called pajan, which is a Hindi word meaning breaking of the spirits. The purpose, if you can call it that, 
is to break the animal's spirits for easy use in tourism. About 50% of the little elephants die during or after Pajan. The rest um, are incarcerated, leading a dreadful life in captivity for commercial exploitation, for a bit of tourism fun. Uh, and this is one of the big reasons why the numbers of this ancient uh, noble uh, species, the Asian elephant, have crashed from millions in the 19th century to barely 40,000 today, of which nearly half now are in brutal captivity. Um, and it's not just the people who handle the elephants who make the money out of it. It's huge numbers of Western travel companies. And indeed, Britain plays a disproportionate part in these horrors. And I resolved, really, that something really, really had to be done. And I came back very shaken from India. Uh, and I went to see many of the big charities. I didn't really feel they were focused sufficiently. I didn't think they had much drive or policy ideas. What I did think was that with limited fi and finite resources, we could exert influence within our own country, which, as I've said, mm -hmm. has an enormous market in this brutality. And so I founded Save the Asian Elephants, or STAY, as we call it. Um, I gathered together people of very high moment. I was lucky in some parts and carpe diem in other parts to just seize the moment. Uh, and we brought together people of high standing in politics, conservation, uh, <clears throat> lawyers, campaigners, field experts, and so on. And Stay was born, and uh, we started then to formulate our policies. Mm, wonderful. Okay, and, and why is it that you thought that... Why is this such a problem in, in Britain, um, specifically? Because you would think that if you could legally address this problem, you would do so... In Asia, um, how how is it that introducing a law in Britain is going to? Okay, well that that's help? that's a, that's a fair question. Um, the, the answer is that in in uh, although Britain has a very long and sometimes happy, sometimes very often not happy legacy in India and some of the other countries of that area, we in Britain do not have legal jurisdiction over what goes on in other countries, including India. What we do have is jurisdiction within our own shores. And uh, it, given that uh, vast numbers of Britons go on holiday to India, Thailand, Sri Lanka, the other and diminishing range states uh, where Asian elephants are indigenous still in the wild, um, it, it's, uh, it, 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 it's there's plenty to do to grapple with what's go going on in this country, in the UK, within these shores. And we can, of course, we can influence in a, in a broadly functioning democracy uh, by the force of numbers. We can influence what happens here. And so <clears throat> I, th I thought it was essential that we started by doing that uh, and that we start to. Uh, th this is a market that is wholly unregulated. And despite the blandishments of the uh, wrong end of the travel industry that they're regulating it, they're doing no such thing uh, in the sense that there are vague guidelines full of holes which have no compulsion to them at all. No, no consequences for breach, uh, no monitoring, no enforcement and so on. Absolutely, really comprehensively hopeless. Uh, and that's why I, I can give you shocking examples of how things have worsened over recent decades under that regime. So we thought the compulsion and the uniformity of law in this country was an imperative. Uh, and so I started to, with my eminent colleagues, uh, both here and in India and other countries abroad, 
to formulate policies to put to the public to gain public support and understanding with a view <coughs> to raising awareness <coughs> excuse me and to gaining support for new law so uh, that's what we've been doing and and we've been working in latter years on drafting legislation um to, to bring that about do you want to say a bit about um the legislation that has been proposed yes yeah. certainly well it's it, these are very important and actually exciting times now i was asked five years ago by the british government the westminster government to draft a parliamentary bill i did so presented it to government uh, there's been several changes of government, as of course we all know in this country. Uh, but latterly, uh, a version of this law came about a couple uh, a year or two ago, the Animals Abroad Bill. Uh, that came and sadly went; it was dropped. However, <clears throat> now what's come forward earlier this uh, calendar year is the uh, is the Animals Low Welfare Activities Abroad Bill. It's not an elegant title, but it is very, very important. That bill, in essence, uh, seeks to ban the UK advertising and sale of access to tourist venues abroad where animals are abused, any mm -hmm. vertebrate animals. So it's not just elephants, um, but it's also um, apes, big cats, bears, dolphins, avians, um, all sorts of um, vertebrate marine life, a huge, huge range of diverse species, all of whom have one tragic uh, common element, that they are horribly brutalised uh, in modern tourism. And the bill <clears throat> has made remarkable progress, and I'm so thrilled, and I am wholly uncomplacent, as I hope any of those working with me recognise, uh, in that anything and everything happens, as we know, in politics and in London SW1, it can do. Um, and, and yet, and yet, uh, this bill has been through every stage now of the House of Commons, unopposed and unamended, and it now sits on the brink of its second reading in the House of Lords, which we only learned yesterday is due to happen three weeks today on Friday the 14th of July. That is a very, very important date in our chronology. Um, and it's an important date uh, when the bill will be considered in its essence uh, by peers in the upper house. Um, if that succeeds, then the bill goes forward to what's called committee stage. If that succeeds, it goes to report stage. And then it's very nearly there. <clears throat> Obviously, at the end of it, if there are amendments, then it may have to go back to the Commons. But uh, we, we would rather avoid that diversion mm -hmm. for time reasons. But then it goes to ultimately to royal assent. The king uh, gives his assent to, to the legislation and then it's law. Uh, yeah. And then our work really begins. Can you give us a sense of like how how big of a problem this is <clears throat> that... Um... <clears throat> yes. There are tourist destinations, <clears throat> tourist venues advertised in the UK that kind of yes, certainly. have these practices. Yes, of course. I'll try and stick uh, chiefly to elephants because there are so many species and I don't think I'm very happy to touch on others. But mm -hmm. let's start with Asian elephants. So I explained uh, that the, the numbers of Asian elephants has collapsed dramatically. These are creatures which have been far longer on, on planet Earth than humans ever have. They are noble and and sociable and uh, uh, and uh, highly intelligent creatures, highly highly sentient, 
Uh, it's extraordinary we have these debates in the 21st century on whether animals are sentient. I, I find it just Kafka-esque. In any event, um, they're highly sentient. Anyone who's been close to an elephant can just see that and knows it from their behaviour. But the problem is awful and huge. Um, as I said earlier, almost any elephant in captivity has been brutalised by one or other version of Pajan. And if mm -hmm. anyone doubts it happens, they need to spend a couple of minutes online or indeed on, on my charity's website, which is stae.org. And there is an enormous amount of tragic uh, still photos and footage showing the brutality. I've seen loads of it. I've just come back from Thailand and seen a load more. It's awful. The brutality of elephants through Pajan as babies, but then their, brut their brutal treatment nearly always throughout their life. Random stabbings, beatings, um, for no particular reason. The, mm. people, the, the, the people who are the daily handlers of the elephants are called mahouts. Um, they're not the owners, but they manage the elephants. In days of yore, the mahout had a sort of lifelong bond with the elephant. They grew up together. They knew each other. There was a sort of mutual dependency. Yeah. Um, the life of the elephant and the job of the human were interdependent. That's all completely changed. Everything has changed some 60 years ago with the inception of um, huge volumes of um, package holidays from the West into India and other countries in that region. And as a result, there's been a huge uh, and generally illegal, unlawful drive to to poach and drag elephants in from the wild to be brutalized uh, for rapid use in tourism. And that's had a drastic effect um, on the elephants, of course. Uh, it also threatens the environment they inhabit because elephants are known as by, by conservationists and biologists as a super keystone species, the mega gardeners of the forests. Okay. And, and, and uh, without them, the forest wither. Uh, and the forests are under great pressure of ruination in many of these countries, sadly. Um, so it, the elephant now has crashed to such numbers that their future existence is in grave peril. Um, what I've said about the Asian elephant sadly transposes to many other uh, wildlife species abused in tourism, the big cats, many of the apes, um, much marine life. People don't realise the horrors that dolphins and orcas go through um, in the course of being uh, trained, if I can use a euphemism, um, for use in tourism. Uh, I can give you tragic examples. And let me just tell you one thing, mm -hmm. uh, amongst many sad stories, but in Thailand, we're receiving reports of mother elephants in captivity who go to full term, 22 months, carrying their baby inside them. They give birth to the baby and then they immediately trample it to death. Uh, mm. to protect it from a life of horror in captivity of the sort they, the mother, has experienced. And so the practice has grown up now where elephants are. Uh, the mother, uh, before the mother can trample the baby, the mahouts rush in and grab the baby, which is hugely valuable, and rush it away um, to, for abuse and use in tourism. Um, so the, the mahouts themselves are exploited people. They're of the lowest caste. They're lowly regarded. They're hopeless either not paid or virtually not paid. They're taken, they're hundreds of miles from their families. They live in mud huts. Um, they're often high on drugs and, and, and drink. I've seen plenty of that. And they take it all out on the elephants. They're yeah. ill-educated, without prospects and so on. And so the idea that the, um, that the 
the uh, perpetuation of this brutality or the end of the perpetuation of this brutality would do a wrong to uh, to the Mahouts is absurd. And, and indeed, my charity and the purpose of the law is to steer the market towards ethical elephant and animal tourism, not to end it, but to steer it towards ethical of the sort that there are examples of quite a lot now of, of venues where entirely ethical uh, treatment of animals takes place for commercial reasons, mm -hmm. fine, but nonetheless, the elephants are, and creatures are properly looked after. What, what, what does that look like? What's the key differences between well, ethical? Well, okay, and... you'll, you'll find those on the website, key characteristics. So, so we, don't, we, don't, we don't publish enormous lists of good and bad sanctuaries because what's good today may well be bad tomorrow and so on. But there are key characteristics. That mm -hmm. Perhaps the key one of all is uh, no direct contact of humans with elephants. Uh, no riding, uh, no playing around with them or selfies, um, no uh, watching them from five yards playing football and darts and standing on each other um, and jumping over each other and ste stepping over people. None of that. It's watching elephants from a safe and respectful distance in a herd environment exhibiting natural behaviour mm -hmm. uh, and from a distance. Um, it's so often said that what's good for animals is good for humans too. And that is so true. Elephants uh, in surveys, 20% of captive elephants are shown to be carrying TB. TB oh, wow. is one of the biggest killers in the world, 2 million a year. And elephants by sneezing, coughing, spraying water exude uh, these, these deadly virus over humans. Uh, and, and quite possibly other uh, viruses, quite possibly COVID-19. Uh, that's one pretty good reason why elephants and humans should not be cheek by jowl ever, quite aside from the animal welfare aspects. Um, and, and furthermore, elephants attack. Stay, my organisation Save the Asian Elephants, has built an enormous database of almost everything. Day Every day we work on our databases and have done since our foundation nearly nine years ago. And we've identified... Um, about 1,000 uh, people who have been critically or catastrophically injured by elephant attacks when elephants are brutalized beyond their endurance in captivity, mm -hmm. and an additional 700 people killed by those attacks. Um, and I, I, I'll give you a quick example of what's wrong, everything that's wrong. There's a huge and prospering venue in Thailand, in Chiang Mai, called the Nong Nooch Village Park, uh, Village Garden. And it's a dreadful place. Back in 2000, um, a young uh, woman uh, called Helen Costigan went with her sister Andrea and her father to Nong Nooch to see the elephant show. They were sitting in the front row of the rodeo there. And they were watching lots of elephants, adults and babies, running around, being uh, required to do all sorts of unnatural tricks and being stabbed. Uh, the babies were being stabbed and having nails pressed into them to do things. And uh, there was a huge tusker elephant about 20 metres from the, the group of three. And it was stabbed again, one time too many. Uh, Helen saw its eyes rolling and it charged them. And it thrust its massive tusks several times through her sister's chest. Uh, her sister died in her arms some hours later. Helen was nearly killed, so was her father. Now, 23 years later, that place is worse than ever. 
And what's particularly awful is that place today is being advertised uh, for holidays for tourists by 120, at least 120 mm -hmm. UK-based travel companies. What's shocking about that, Nong Nooch, is not that it's unique, but that it's very typical. Mm -hmm. Stay has identified um, 1,212 uh, UK-based travel companies. I checked the latest figures today. 1,212 UK-based travel companies advertising just under 300 what we politely call unethical um, elephant venues, UEVs. It's a term mm. now used by government uh, around Southeast Asia. And vast numbers of people are going there, not just from the UK. I'm just giving you UK figures, but from across the world, yeah. particularly the Western world, but from everywhere, China as well. So, um, And so the problem is enormous and growing. The Asia-Pacific uh, uh, Asia region is the fastest growing tourist region in the world by far. And as the shackles of uh, lockdown are cast off, uh, so the market is restoring itself, getting to its feet and getting back to all its own wrongdoings. So this law is not uh, is very timely. Indeed, it should have come much sooner. Mm -hmm. uh, it will have an influence in many ways if it's well handled at government level. It will set a standard. It will be a rallying point and a place for us all to gather. Uh, it will be a form of information and education to a public who like all of us, like me up till some years ago, were unaware of all this as a legacy of the concealment by the wrong end of the travel industry of the true horrors, both for animals and for humans, of attending these horrible, unethical venues. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very important law, and, and, and we welcome it. There's an awful lot of work to do. It needs to be stiffened in many ways. It needs to be... Um, I can talk later, but if you wish, about... Uh, inputting of regulations after the as and when the bill passes into law and and very importantly uh, as well as it being for all species abused in tourism it is good for transposition to any country of the world that harbors um, and allows a market in this brutal um, yeah. treatment of animals abroad wonderful i think this is a perfect moment for our first music break this is The Lark Ascending by Vaughan Williams.
Yeah. You are listening to Just Life from London with me, Anna Fleischer. And today, just a reminder, I'm joined by Duncan McNair, and we've been talking about um, his charity, Save the Asian Elephants, um, which campaigns to <clears throat> make it illegal to advertise unethical um, tourist attractions and resorts that mistreat elephants. If if I've got that right. <laughs> That's yes. that that's yeah. that's pretty close to it, and 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 it embraces any venues abroad that mm-hmm. advertise venues that uh, offer interactions with any animals, and not just elephants, despite the name of my charity, mm-hmm. Save the Asian Elephants. But we just to explain, um, uh, I led a team uh, having some twenty-five or thirty discussions, largely during lockdown and remotely, I hasten to say, with with number 10 uh, and with the Environment Department, DEFRA. Uh, And the discussion opened up from elephants into all manner of species that should be be protected in this way. And so it's come to pass in this new bill that's presently before Parliament. It's gone through the Commons. It's now standing at the entrance into the House of Lords, the Animals Low Welfare Activities Abroad Bill. That seeks to protect all vertebrate species uh, abused in tourism abroad. Mm-hmm. And so, well, I met you at Farm Street, um, the Jesuit Church in London. Um, do you want to say a bit about um, how caring about anim- animal welfare, how what you're doing fits in from a faith perspective? I think particularly the Jesuits, um, this is something I've I've known several Jesuits, they tend to have a focus on is care for creation and obviously Pope Francis you have Laudato Si mm. um, so do you have any thoughts on, on that kind of connection? Well it's out for, first of all of course uh, you, you know all of us are to some extent to a large very large extent a product of our parents uh, and their own impulses and their own characteristics I, I, I think that's taken um, uh, and our environment too I, I was the uh, I am the youngest of seven children my parents were very, very, very good and dutiful Catholics. Um, my father was uh, uh, was actually from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, um, uh, originally from Scotland, his family in the, in the mm-hmm. middle of the 19th century, but with a great diaspora uh, to the New World, they went to mostly to Rio and Sao Paulo. He came to public school in England and stayed here and became a very, very eminent fighter pilot in the Battle of Britain and throughout the, the war uh, and some remarkable... Um, uh, adventures and horrors, um, uh, and I know his faith sustained him. And and my parents uh, were uh, they're, they're no longer here, but <clears throat> they were both um, great advocates of of compassion for all living creatures. And as Jeremy Bentham so rightly said, you know, we in in I'm, I'm doing an, an injustice to the elegance of his words, but the gist of it was that. Um, we don't we don't look after and protect uh, beings uh, because they um have souls or because they think or because they can reason but because they can suffer and and so that extends to all sentient creatures which pretty much is all creatures most certainly elephants and all other uh, all other creatures of any uh, advanced state and so um and that's been lodged in my mind i, I can't also help but think that being the youngest of seven I, I, I back the underdog very often because I was the <laughs> underdog. <laughs> so I seem to have spent half my early life locked in a, in headlocks from my brothers and things like that. <laughs> um, it was a fairly exciting and rumbustious uh, household. Um, but, but I've always, always uh, tried to fight the cause for, 
for animals uh, always since I was very small and and been very moved by uh, their plight uh, when it's it, well, things have gone wrong in, usually in the hands of man and I'm sure that's had everything to do with it one of my early heroes who I met two weeks ago for the first time was uh, Professor Peter Singer uh, a hugely distinguished Australian philosopher said by some to be the most influential moral philosopher in the world today and and uh, his book animal liberation which is a trailblazer uh, for animal welfare and animal rights um that left a lasting impression i always wanted to do something to help um generally with animals i've i've run other causes as well um i was actually brought up by the benedictines rather than the jesuits mm -hmm. um but uh, certainly the Jesuits are very important. They have a considerable influence in India for historical reasons, of course. Um, but no, I, I, I always wanted to. And I, um, when I, I became a lawyer by default because there are many lawyers in my family. I had no idea what I wanted to do after A-levels. And um, uh, my father said he thought it would be a good idea if I qualified in, well, if I took a law degree. I didn't have to follow up by training to be a lawyer. And so I was sort of bundled into that. Uh, I graduated. And then he said, why don't you qualify as a lawyer? You don't have to practice as a lawyer, but it's it's a good qualification. So <laughs> I did. Uh, and then he said, well, why don't you start practicing as a lawyer? You don't have to carry on. And so I did. And that's pretty much where I now am. I'm deciding what I'm going to do with my career. But 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 truly to be uh, to have that sort of training, it's not the only one, but it's one of them, is enormously in, it helpful in uh, in, in what I've since tried to do to, to found this charity and to, to try to rally a cause, um, a big cause, and to explain it, to organise it, to sift arguments and evidence and deploy them, and to get audiences and to try to exert influence on people, get to know people, and and all of uh, and or much of that is 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 a feature of of legal um, training and practice. So I found it very helpful, and uh, as my father always used to say, you know, to, to, to have that sort of qualification uh, can be very useful in many ways. And I never really wanted to be a lawyer just uh, just to make a good living or just, although it's a noble cause, to, to, to help uh, win people's cases and protect their rights. Um, I wanted to do more than that, and, and I've been very, uh, really pleased and really privileged to, to have been able to lead this, um, this particular cause. And I thank my parents very much for so much of what I've done. Um, I also, as a complete aside, although not not entirely, I I publish humour books which have done incredibly <laughs> well. And as as you might guess, they're largely to do with animals. The Morello letters and more Morello letters. And first one has uh, well sold enormous numbers. Uh, and and that money happily all goes to towards save the Asian elephants. Um, <clears throat> Um, and and uh, I've I've uh, always been interested in spreading my wings slightly beyond a conventional uh, legal career into these other areas. And I've been lucky to be in firms where they've not only permitted, but they've encouraged that sort of broader outlook. And an ESG these days is 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 much sought after by many firms. Uh, mm -hmm. You might say sometimes for presentational reasons, but what, what does ESG stand for? Well, it's it, it, it's environmental awareness and 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 uh, helping environment and society in in a in a broader sphere of of in, in good causes. Essentially, might be the the, the previous generation of usage. Um, and and um, my firm has done a great deal there, and they look benignly upon all the work I do in in the sphere of 
of of uh, animal welfare and and save the asian elephants they've been very supportive and um yeah it's it's been an enormous commitment of time i mean every day for nine or ten years now i suppose six seven hours a day alongside my legal practice uh, but you know no one's telling us to do it no one forces us to and it's a great privilege it's also inherently absorbing and interesting these are complex issues they in a sense are the meeting point of uh, of many confluences of of international relations of animal welfare of uh, 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 politics um you know of of um uh, of the environment um uh, and and many other things and that's why we attract a, a very very broad base of support um and and of active ambassadors and governance um stay mm -hmm. has generated the biggest petition in world history for any animal species ever oh wow uh, 1.2 million and rising fast with an additional over 33 million further supporters on petitions that now align with ours and mm -hmm. and if any uh, politician any elected politician doubts the the, the level or durability of public support for this cause, the protection of elephants and other uh, creatures vulnerable in, in abusive tourism, uh, then we can tell them that we've done four big polls in the last seven years, which have shown a relentless drive upwards of public opinion. Um, and it's, so it's risen um, now to anywhere between late, late 80s percent and 95 percent of the British public support um, uh, what we are doing with this law. These are astronomical figures. Uh, they are, um, mm -hmm. they, as I tell politicians, they are considerably more, much more than twice uh, anyone who ever voted for or against Brexit. Um, uh, the problem is we still need to get more people hearing about it uh, because those percentages, of course, are of those who are appraised of the facts. Many still don't as a legacy mm. of concealment by the travel industry, as I've mentioned. Uh, but of those who hear, and I've done probably 300 talks on this matter, whether in the European Parliament, in Westminster, all the big universities and vet schools, businesses, professional talks, and so on, um, I've yet to meet anyone who actually, having heard the, 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 the facts, um, says, well, do you know what? I've given this some thought and I think it is a good idea to beat baby elephants <laughs> to death for commercial yeah. profit. Um, I've, I've come across a very small number of people in the indigenous countries who think that, but I don't know what else they think. And, you know. and so essen essentially we've identified that roughly 45 times more people do support this bill as oppose this bill. And yeah. the tiny balance of those who are undecided or maybe didn't understand the question or want to think about it. Uh, so, so, you know, uh, elected politicians uh, and indeed those who are not elected in the upper house who, who, you know, I'm sure want to remember they are a deliberative chamber. They're not a chamber whose purpose is to destroy uh, the public um, uh, wish and, and nor, nor, nor to destroy the lower house's uh, uh deliberations um i know and, and there you know i support the house of lords and I, I i hope they will support the bill but they need to remember there is overwhelming public support and it's proved durable over years it's been a question of 
dragging the mantle of secrecy away from the horrors to expose the truth and and then mm -hmm. people are very moved and horrified and indeed very keen to support us that's wonderful and um another opportune moment to go to a music break um so this is from the fantasia para un gentle hombre um by joe Joaquin Rodrigo, do you want to say a little bit about why you chose this? Well, yes, I mean, it's an absolutely magnificent piece that I'm sure many of your, your listeners will have heard. Um, I used to um, regularly go on holiday to Spain, particularly to Madrid, where I had really good friends. And um, I started to, to, to engage in a real love for Spanish classical guitar music. Um, uh, and some of the great exponents uh, and Spanish Spanish music generally. And this was amongst the pieces that uh, I heard, and it really did, to use a dreadful uh, a, a phrase, blew me away. Um, it, it's very moving, and it kind of summons up uh, the, the rather sad uh, melancholy of, of, uh, of, of Spain, particularly um, central Spain. Um, it's dry and arid and dusty. Uh, climate, but it's a most beautiful place, and and this music expresses it, uh, and the romance really uh, beautifully.
Just a reminder, you are listening to Just Life from London um, with me, Anna Fleischer, and I have with me in the studio, Duncan McNair. That was from Joaquin Rodrigo's Fantasia. I can't speak Spanish very well. Baron Gentle Ombre. I'm afraid I played the wrong movement, so that one was slightly more cheerful um, than the melancholy music Duncan was talking about. Um, But I just wanted to ask, it seems um, quite incredible that there is such public support for this bill um, and all it took was someone to just take the initiative, see a problem, take the initiative and actually propose it because it so easily could have just been lost in apathy Um, but when something can have such support and you just need someone to take the initiative do you you have an encouragement to any listeners who maybe there's another issue that's similar that they see that there's a problem how would you recommend that they go about thinking about maybe similarly it just takes someone to take the initiative um and there will be massive public support to it and it will go through the houses of parliament really easily um what what are the steps that they can take to kind of bring about that kind of change okay well it's a very good question and it's a really fundamental question and i I think we step back and and first of all remember that these issues that we at Save the Asian Elephants with now a coalition of 100 of the leading um, uh, of people of high influence and the leading charities across the UK animal charities are supporting. Uh, this is uh, a, 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 um, uh, a, a, a huge, huge issue, but it is a man-made problem. And I absolutely believe, I absolutely believe that what man has done wrong, uh, man can put right in Mm -hmm. nearly all cases. There is nothing God ordained about the brutalization and final extirpation of these ancient species. There is nothing that requires that we must stand back and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so... Well, uh, you know, others, of course, have travelled to uh, Southeast Asia and elsewhere and seen cruelty to animals. But I think too often people think there's nothing we can do. It's all impossible. 
they wouldn't take any notice. And I think, you know, what has defined our campaign at Save the Asian Elephants and from the, the day I, I really determined that something had to be done was that we can, we should, first of all, with finite resources, exert our efforts and our focus on the area where we can uh, generate most good. And that is, in this case, it's on doing things in the UK to start with, mm -hmm. not to end with, to start with. And that's exactly what we've done. We are autonomous in our own jurisdiction. We can make our own regulations and our own laws. We can um, moderate what people can and cannot properly do. Uh, and that's the purpose of, of Parliament and our parliamentary democracy. And and we have a functioning democracy, despite its 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 stress testing and its sometimes its 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 weaknesses. But we have this system, and uh, you know, also in the case of this um, problem with particularly the elephants, but many other species, uh, Britain has a disproportionate, shameful role in the abuse of these creatures with the enormous market of tourists we send to these countries. They're generally unwitting. We mm -hmm. don't blame the tourists. They are unwitting of what they're getting involved in and what they're, in effect, supporting. But when people, you know, I'm a great believer that when the, the essential facts are put forward um, plainly and accurately with supporting evidence to people, uh, they are very, I know them to be very moved by um, the, the, not only the facts, but supportive of credible policies that are attainable. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and th those are all important adjectives, you know, credible and attainable and, and genuine facts and so on. Um, when you put that combination together uh, in front of a large uh, population in a functioning democracy, uh, if if the cause is virtuous, then over time it should prevail. I absolutely believe that. And mm -hmm. and and for for the life cycle, the dreadful decline for many of these species. Time is short, and so we don't have long. And and that's that certainly impelled me to work hard to um really try to 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 develop all this to develop um policies. To you, you've got to have a message to put to people. No point just saying this is a horror and we wring our hands, we shed a tear, we say we nothing can be done and we move on. Um, we, no, no, no. We must uh, have policies. They must be credible. They must be attainable. They must be inherently consistent. And they must then be forcefully, you know, relentlessly, politely, but relentlessly pushed. Um, and... You know, I would say the, the, there's a moral, uh, a very big moral component in this cause. Um, you know, the welfare of our fellow creatures on Earth, they are as much a part of God's creation as we are. There is a fundamental moral component, and it enjoins all Christians, all Catholics, people of all faiths uh, to participate and to support. I'm really pleased that amongst the enormous array of supporters that Save the Asian Elephants has gathered around us for the elephants and for all animals are all the major religions represented in Southeast Asia and beyond. So Christians, of course, Hindus, Buddhists, uh, Sikhs, Taoists, all sorts. I've, I've sought out and met with leading 
um, lead, uh, leading religious figures uh, of all those faiths, particularly in Britain, where we're trying to, as you know, um, to develop support. And this is important because, tragically, those who are profiting from this abuse very often invoke religion as their justification. They oh, say, really? they say, well, um, these are ancient traditions, you know, uh, the... the um, uh, Pajan. It's not an ancient tradition at all. It's a very modern one and a very brutal and unjustified one. But so they say, and and the dressing up of elephants and forcing them into festivals and parades where they uh, are driven hundreds of miles uh, in burning sun across on burning roads across India to get to enormous festivals, no proper food or water. Tens of thousands of people with noise and drums and crackling PAs and and horrors and stabbings and many of them drop dead. Uh, they're often ill in the first place and so on. The idea that this is sanctioned by some ancient religion, religious tradition, is 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 uh, is absurd and is untrue and groundless. And yet it's said, and to the unwary, it's believed uh, somehow. But the idea that a that that a uh, an animal-loving religion like Hinduism uh, should uh, 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 should tolerate and indeed approve and participate in this is in fact nonsense. And and so I've had it from the leading Hindus in this country uh, and and from other religion religious figures and in in the Christian churches and and the others I've mentioned. I've been to see them all, and they speak with one voice uh, on this matter, which is that uh, animals must be treated with the respect of any of God's creation. And they are a, a sacred part of of his purpose, and um, they they are not our playthings. Uh, ele elephants and animals, uh, other animals, must not be um, tortured for a bit of tourism fun. This is no religion. This mm -hmm. is no religion. It's it's in fact it's um, it's a repudiation of their religions and an abuse of them. I think that's a really wonderful note to end on remembering the sanctity of God's creation. Um, thank you so much, Duncan, for what has been a really fascinating um, hour and I think really important that we need to be more conscious of what we're consuming and, you know, where we're going on holiday. If um, I could just mm -hmm. butt in quickly and say if you'd like to support our work, please go to our website at stae.org and sign the petition. Please introduce yourself. We all uh, to, to us by telephoning or emailing us, and we uh, save the Asian elephant, save the Asian elephants at stae.org, uh, and we need support. We need new audiences. We need people who can introduce commissioning editors and and who know the media, who can write material for us. Social media is crucial, uh, without mm -hmm. which these animals would not survive. So any of those things, we'd be delighted to hear from you. And, and I'm most grateful for the opportunity to address you. Uh, and thank you, and Anna, for your time. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. 
We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.